Welcome to the Rockcast. Thanks for joining me, and if you're like me, you're probably really sick of everything that's going on in the world right now. You got all these idiots out there trying to cancel everyone. You gotta watch every word you say, because you might offend somebody. And it's just gotten really ridiculous. So welcome to my podcast, and if you're one of those uptight kind of people, well, just prepare to be offended or take a hike right now. I'm sure I'm losing listeners every episode, and I just don't care anymore. And to prove that, I'm going to start this show off with a racist joke. (gasps) Yep, that's right. And I know you're probably thinking, but Monty, if you do that, you'll be kicked off the internet. But listen, here's how I'm going to get away with it. This racist joke is actually not mine. I heard this the other day come out of the mouth from comedian Daniel Tosh. So if you get upset, don't blame me. He said it. Blame Daniel Tosh. And it goes like this. You know, I have no problem with illegal immigration. I think we should let them all in and then make them do jury duty. That way, criminals can be judged by a jury of their peers. (laughs) So there you go. That joke was absurd, and that's why it's funny. I'm outraged. Now, if you're still listening, good for you. You just proved that you've got a good sense of humor and you're a well-rounded person. As for all those people that stopped listening, well, they're going to miss some good stuff. Because on today's episode, I'm going to continue answering your questions, I'm going to play some cool tunes, and I'm going to tell you what I've been watching on TV, and much, much more. So let's kick things off with a bunch of questions. And I recently got 10 questions from Jimmy G in Chicago. He's from Chicago. Yeah, Jimmy is a longtime listener and a Rockcast Hall of Famer. And his first question is, Hey, Monty, how's it going? Everyone else asked, so I thought this was appropriate. Ah, well, you know, Jimmy, I'm doing pretty good. And one reason is that summer is almost over. And I know a lot of people love summer, but I'm not one of them. I don't really like the heat, so I mostly stay inside. But at least my girlfriend Alex does not make me go swimming. Unlike a previous relationship where I was constantly expected to go to the pool, I no longer have to jump into uncomfortably cold water or face the embarrassment of showing my dad bod in public. Ew. Another thing I don't like about summer is it gets kind of boring. 
I got to go several months without basketball or hockey or even football. And I don't hate baseball, but here in Colorado, we have the Colorado Rockies. Which means, as a fan, you know that from the first pitch of opening day on, they are officially eliminated from all postseason play. And I'll just go ahead and say it now, they're officially eliminated from next year's playoffs. But whatever, Alex and I still like to go to the occasional Rockies game. And we did so a few weeks ago when we went and saw him play the Houston Astros, who I like to refer to as the Houston Assholes. And I know I used to live in Houston, but while I was there that entire time, no one gave a shit about the Astros. But now, all of a sudden, all these people come out of the woodwork and they are Astros super fans. And they're really annoying and there was a whole bunch of them at the game in Denver. And this is a really weird thing about going to a game at Coors Field. It's supposed to be the home field of the Rockies. But if they're playing the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Cubs or almost anybody, at least half the crowd is there to see whoever the Rockies are playing. And this was the case that night with the Astros fans. There was orange jerseys and hats everywhere. And it's not like they just sit there and are respectful to the Rockies fans. They sit there and start chanting, let's go Astros. And it's almost like the Rockies are the visiting team. And that was really starting to piss me off. But the one good thing that happened was that the Rockies won. And I walked out of there with a big grin on my face. But when I got home, I got on Facebook. And there are people on there from Houston who are actually taunting me. And even though they lost, there was one guy who actually said, See and kiss our rings. And that's when I thought, rings? Uh, don't you only have two? And so I looked it up, and sure enough, the Houston Astros have only won two World Series. And the first one, uh, let's be honest, uh, you beat on trash cans and cheated. But the other thing you might want to think about is, you know who else has two rings? The Kansas City Royals. So before you start talking smack and want to act like you're a dynasty, you might want to just pull back on the reins a little bit. Simodana! All right, getting back to Jimmy G's questions. Uh, he says, hey, Monty, with GC, has there been any discussion of doing any classics, fan favorites, band favorites as acoustic versions? Well, Jimmy, I can answer that very simply. No, uh, no one's talked to me about that anyway. Uh, to be honest, I never really liked doing acoustic stuff. I will do it. But even when it was trendy and everyone was doing that, I was never a big fan. And actually, Galactic was really good at it, but uh, I just never enjoyed it that much. I would always prefer to set the amps up and jam. But if there was some money involved in uh, Galactic doing some acoustic versions, uh, I would probably be game. Uh, Jimmy's next question is, how is Alex? Well, nice of you to ask, Jimmy. Alex is great. As I've said before, she's the sweetest, kindest person I've ever known. She has two grown daughters. One of them has two kids of her own. And the other one plays cello in an orchestra in Chicago. 
And when I say she plays cello, I mean mind-blowingly good. And of course, Alex plays drums herself, and uh, we haven't done it much lately, but every now and then we go in the living room and jam a little bit to some Ramones or Judas Priest or something like that. And she's a lot of fun, she's got a great sense of humor, and uh, I just love her to death. I mean, she is a woman, so I don't always understand her. But I wouldn't know what to do without her, and she's just the best. She's just great. Uh, the next question from Jimmy is, Monty, you have done a lot of paintings. Have you kept track of how many? Wow, no, I have not. And I wouldn't begin to know how many I've done over the course of my life because I started when I was even in junior high. But something I did over the last year was I took all my paintings that I've done in the last, I don't know, 10 to 20 years, and I made refrigerator magnets out of a whole bunch of them. And I now have over 200 refrigerator magnets on my website, montycalvinart.com. But most all of those are rock stars and celebrities. So I've done over 200 paintings of those types. Now, if you add in all the commissions I've done over the years and all the stuff I did uh, during my college years, you can probably add in, I don't know, a couple of hundred more. But no, I've never really kept track of a total of how many I've done, but uh, it's quite a bit. And I just keep churning out the stuff. And if you want to see what I've been doing lately, go to my website, montycalvinart.com, and you will see all kinds of rock stars and new paintings of, you know, everything from Slayer to uh, Dolly Parton. And I've also got prints available, and so if you want to buy a gift for somebody or make your house look really cool, go to montycalvinart.com. Commercial's over. Jimmy's next question is, many politicians and sports heroes write books, an autobiography. Have you started writing your book? Uh, yeah, actually I have, Jimmy. I started writing it about 20 years ago. And at one point I thought it was done, and then all kinds of stuff happened after that, so I thought I better add all that in. And I have just never gotten around to finishing it yet. But I'd really like to someday because my life, I think, has been very kind of fascinating. At one point, I was in a religious cult. I didn't start playing guitar until I was about 17, but then ended up being a professional musician. And I've been in cover bands, Christian bands, metal bands, punk pop bands, you name it. And during all that, I was with Christian labels, metal labels, uh, small labels, big labels, major labels. And I've got all kinds of road stories and experiences with uh, managers, label weasels, fans, uh, band members, wives. And I honestly think it's going to be a pretty interesting read. It seems to me to be very, very boring. All right, continuing on with Jimmy G's questions. He says, Monty, if you were going to be stranded on a desert island, what 10 records would you want with you? Okay, well, I would probably start out with something by Blue Oyster Cult, maybe their first live album, On Your Feet or On Your Knees. I'd also want to take a couple of metal albums that I'm still not tired of, like Paradise Lost, Draconian Times, or Iron Maiden, Seventh Son. 
But now let's say I'm gonna be out there for a while and I'm starting to get depressed. So maybe I wanna lift my spirits a little bit and just party. So I'm gonna take Hollywood Undead Swan Songs. Kind of a fun rap rock record. However, if I just wanna waller in my depression, uh, how about something like The Devil Wears Prada, Color Decay. I'd also have to take some metalcore with me, so maybe something by Killswitch or The Curse by Atreyu. And obviously, I'd have to take something by The Wild Heart, so I'm gonna go with PHUQ and uh, Earth vs. The Wild Hearts. But the first album I would put in my bag would undoubtedly be uh, one of my favorite albums of all time, and that would be Seosin off their self-titled first album. Now, if I still had room in the bag, I would probably throw uh, Frampton Comes Alive in there, or maybe Live and Dangerous by Thin Lizzy, perhaps the first album by Kansas, and maybe A Hard Day's Night by The Beatles. The list goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. The next question from Jimmy is, Monty, do you listen to music when you paint? If you're painting Rob Halford, are you listening to his music? Uh, yes, I do listen to music, but it's usually just something I'm into at the time. Like right now, I'm listening to the new Crash Karma over and over. But really, most of the time, I'm listening to either sports or political podcasts. I like to keep up with what's going on with my favorite sports teams, and I like to stay aware of what's going on in the world right now. And one thing I like to do is turn on YouTube on my TV and just have it on in the background. And while I'm painting, I'll uh, listen to stuff like Jason Whitlock or Matt Walsh. I love Mark Dice and Tucker Carlson, if he's ever got anything on there. Boy, what are you, right-wing kook? I listen to uh, the Adam Carolla show almost every day. But most of the time, I'm right there by my computer, so I will listen to uh, the classic metal show with Chris and Neely. But yeah, all that stuff is soaking into my brain throughout the day and kind of keeps me going. Not that I really need anything to inspire me. Uh, I will get up at 5.30, 6 o'clock and just start painting. I don't need coffee. I don't need anyone to tell me, hey, you need to get on that. I just wake up with ideas in my head and I'm just raring to go. And I'm just very thankful that I get to do something that I enjoy. Wow, isn't that special? Next question from Jimmy G is, writing and recording an entire album of tunes is a lot of work, but doing one tune could be less work. Are you considering releasing singles in the future? Well, maybe it's my old age, but I've always been kind of an album guy. When I see bands that I like release an EP, I always feel kind of cheated. I always think, why couldn't you have done about four more songs and just made it a whole album? But I get it, you know, times have changed, everything's different now. So would Galactic do just one song and put it out? I don't know. Could I record a new crunchy song and just throw it out there? I suppose. But that's just the kind of thing I don't really think about much. So I don't know. I'll keep that in mind. Uh, You know, maybe uh, that's a possibility. I have a feeling that's not going to happen. Let's see. Jimmy's next question is, uh, Monty, I just got a Persona Studio One to record bass tracks from my band. 
What software do you use? Well, the only uh, real recording I've been doing the last couple of years is this podcast. And for that, I just use GarageBand that came with my Mac. I've been using kind of the same system for like uh, the last 14 years and I'm very familiar with it and it's all pretty easy for me now. I also use GarageBand for any demos that I do, but uh, you know, they're just demos. And so they only have to be just good enough to where I can hear what the song is gonna be. But that would bring me to Jimmy's last question, which is, uh, do you hike in the mountains in Colorado and do you take pictures of the scenery? Well, Jimmy, I wouldn't say hike. Uh, we walk around in the mountains some, but hiking sounds way too strenuous for me. And yes, I do take pictures with my phone, but uh, I am way far from being a photographer. I wish I knew more about photography, but uh, I just kind of uh, aim and shoot. But really, taking the pictures is more Alex's thing. I just kind of take it all in, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't look out at the mountains and just go, man, this is just the most beautiful state. I never dreamed that I'd live here, but now that I do, uh, honestly, it'd be really hard to leave. But thanks again to uh, Jimmy G for his questions. Once again, you have knocked it out of the park, my friend. We could hold off on the Jimmy G. Okay, here's a question I didn't get to on the last episode. It's from Michael Matz and about 20 other people. It's, hey, Monty, when does the work begin on the next Galactic Cowboys album? And I would say that I've heard this before. Well, I appreciate everyone who would like a new Galactic Cowboys album. I would like one. And I've let the guys in the band know that uh, if they can figure out a way that we could financially do it, uh, I'm in. Because you see, in the past, I was the guy that was always talking to labels and to managers and promoters. And I would go to the guys and say, hey, we got this offer, uh, what do you think? And I even did that on the last album we did back in 17. This great guy named Jim Patulski called me and said, hey, how would you like to sign with Mascot Records? And I talked with Jim almost every day for a whole year. And a few weeks before the album came out, Jim called me and said, uh, yeah, Mascot just let me go. And I said, oh yeah, right, you're joking. And he said, nope, they just let me go. And so there we were without an A&R man, and Mascot put out the album and did nothing with it. But maybe somebody else will take the reins this time and uh, do a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe or uh, whatever that stuff is. Because I'd be glad to write some songs and record again. That'd be fun. I hope that doesn't happen. Oh, here's somebody I haven't heard from in a long time. It's a question from Mr. David Whiteman. The new face of evil. And David says, hey, Monty, if I'm the new face of evil, who is the old face? Well, David, great question. You know, you've been the new face of evil for so long that now you're the old face of evil. And so actually the new, new face of evil, I'm going to say is Joe Biden. Hey, come on! Actually, Joe is probably the old new face. And I know I blame a lot of things on him, but uh, in fairness, 
At this point, he's so senile and incompetent, I don't think he's capable of doing anything himself. I think there must be somebody else behind the scenes making the decisions. And once in a while, they just roll him out there and point to the teleprompter and say, read it. Or stick a pen in his hand and say, sign it. Pathetic! Uh, David also had another question, which is, have you considered just putting your full Crunchy albums on Spotify? David suspects that the days of selling full albums are pretty much gone. And he thinks I'd get more exposure if I just threw them out there and got a fraction of a penny each time a song was played. Well, I think you're probably right about one thing, David. Uh, The days of uh, making money on music are probably over. Uh, The way I understand it, with Spotify, you have to have millions of plays to even get like a thousand bucks. And I suppose I could take music that I spent years writing and recording and just throw it out there for people to get for free. And maybe I'd pick up a few fans here and there. But uh, Spotify is just such a ripoff. I just don't want to mess with it right now. You know, maybe I'll change my mind someday, but in the meantime, my CDs will still be available on my website, montycalvinart.com. And if anybody wants them and wants to help out a starving artist, well, you can buy them because they mean something. Uh, To me, anyway. Good luck with that! You know, the other day, my girlfriend Alex had an interesting question for me. She got home from work, made us a snack, and then she said, Hey, Monty, what's on TV? And I said, wow, great question, Alex. And you know, that would make a great segment for the Rockcast. I'm glad you thought of that. And so here we go. And first up, as I'm prone to do, I watch several documentaries about bands. And they're almost always the same in that uh, most all bands go through some form of struggle. And such was the case in a documentary I saw on YouTube about Badfinger. They were supposed to be huge like the Beatles, Paul McCartney loved them. They had some songs that were really successful, but of course their manager screwed them. And how many times have I heard that? And in this case, instead of being millionaires, they ended up broke, and a couple of those guys killed themselves. I don't want to see that. Now, I also watched for the second time a documentary called The Story of Anvil. And once again, a band that had such promise and influenced all kinds of bands like uh, Metallica. But instead of being big, their lead singer Lips delivers food to grade schools. And the thing I love about this doc is uh, just how brutally honest it is. They just go ahead and show you how frustrating and demoralizing at times uh, life can be in a band. And though some of this movie comes off like Spinal Tap, I couldn't help but admire the determination and refusal to give up by this band. And there were several scenes that I could totally relate to. And without giving the ending away, I will say that uh, I got a little choked up, not gonna lie. So those were a couple of documentaries that made me a little sad. But I also like watching some that are about people who are successful and driven. And it's really no surprise that people who end up uh, accomplishing a lot in life are also people who work their asses off. 
I was told through most of my youth that I should do everything in moderation. And by the age of 25, I was still living at home with my parents. Loser! But I never really got anywhere until I became obsessed with writing music. And when I started to pour my whole heart and soul into it, that's when things started to happen. And so I like watching shows about people who achieve greatness. And this month I watched documentaries about Sean White, Oscar De La Hoya, and Wham! Ah! I gotta say I enjoyed all three of these, but after watching them I thought about it and they all had one thing in common. Sean White, Oscar De La Hoya, and George Michael all reached the pinnacle, but then they felt very empty. They all became famous, they all got incredibly rich, and yet all that just didn't satisfy them. And it made me think, what if Galactic Cowboys would have become huge and I would have become a millionaire? Would I have been miserable? Uh, nah. Probably not. Now speaking of rich people or uh, imaginary rich people, I'm still watching that show on HBO Max called Succession. I'm on season four now, and for the life of me, I can't figure out why I'm still watching this. It's a series about a family of billionaires, and every single episode is the same. I sit there for an hour and watch them have business meetings, and then they get into a private jet or helicopter and go somewhere else to have more business meetings or have a party. But even if they go to a party, they're still having business meetings at the party. Sounds great. And what I'd like to do right now is ask if there is anybody out there listening to me right now who also watches Succession. And if you do, could you do me a favor and either email me or message me and explain to me what the deal is with this show? Because I want to know stuff like, am I supposed to hate every single character on this show? Because I do. And is it me or is the writing on this show just really horrible? So let me know. But in the meantime, I will tell you about a couple of shows that I think are pretty good. If you like crazy comedies that are kind of just way out there, check out Vice Principles. I think Danny McBride is just brilliant in everything he does, and Vice Principles was almost as good as The Righteous Gemstones. Now, if you like sports, I've got to recommend the show on Netflix called Quarterbacks. It featured Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins, and I just found it really interesting. They had the cameras rolling through their workouts uh, at home. You could hear what they were saying during the games. And even though I've been watching football for over 50 years, uh, there were things I actually learned. Like, I had no idea the kind of pain those guys endure, how intelligent they have to be. And I loved Patrick Mahomes already, but I gained a whole new respect for Kirk Cousins. That guy just seems like such a great human, and I will actually be rooting for him next year until they play the Chiefs. And then I hope he gets his ass kicked. But other than that, and finally, how about something that I did not watch? And that would be, I did not watch a single second of the U.S. women's soccer team in the World Cup, or whatever they called it. However, I was hoping they would lose, and when they got eliminated from the tournament, I was absolutely elated. 
And no, it's not because I'm anti-American. It's because I'm pro-America. And if those assholes want to disrespect our country and our anthem, well, that's up to them. But in turn, I also have the right to root against them. And I did. You're mean. All right, let's do a CD review. I got the new one by Seven Dust. It's called Truth Killer. Let's check it out. You're So over the years, I've been back and forth on how I feel about Seven Dust. The first time I saw them was back in the 90s on their first album. They played the Whiskey in LA and I thought they were great. I loved the drummer, I thought they had great riffs, but then as I would hear their albums, I just thought, you know, I just wish they had better songs. But then in 2020, they came out with Blood and Stone and I thought that was awesome. It finally had the great songs I was looking for from them, and uh, I think I made it my album of the year, as I recall. And so when I saw they had a new album coming out, I had high expectations. But I gotta be honest, the first few times I listened to it, I was kind of disappointed. It just wasn't grabbing me. But then I figured out what it was. I just didn't like the first five or six songs on the new album. But once I got to the last five or six, I started going, oh yeah, these guys can really craft some great tunes.
Obviously, I like bands that can be heavy, but at the same time write really catchy melodic choruses. I actually think that takes a certain amount of balls, and Seven Dust is not afraid to do that. So there you go, the new one by Seven Dust is called Truth Killer, and I'm gonna give it out of five uh, bloody metal skulls, I'll go three and a half. If you're a big Seven Dust fan, uh, you'll probably go higher on your scale, but I kinda have mixed feelings about it. Uh, I thought half of it was really good, and the other half was just kinda okay. But who knows, maybe the first half will uh, eventually grow on me. But they certainly are talented, and uh, some of this I really love.
Yeah, cool song by Seven Dust. I don't listen to the radio much anymore, but I hope they're getting some airplay. Something else I rarely listen to is country music. It's just never been my thing. Every now and then someone will play something for me that I kind of like, but it's rare. And I'm not a fan of Jason Aldean's music per se, but I think I am a fan of Jason Aldean. Because when he put out that song and video, Try That in a Small Town, and everyone started freaking out, uh, I was like, hell yeah. The media was calling it racist and trying to get it banned. But I was like, no, this is what metal and punk rock should be doing. This kicks ass. And furthermore, there's nothing racist about it because I watched those riots on TV. And there was a whole lot of white people out there destroying cities and tearing down monuments. And I'd see those Antifa a-holes bullying old people. And there was even one incident where they wouldn't let this guy in a wheelchair cross the road. And I remember thinking back then, you notice these pussies never mess with any biker gangs. So good for Jason Aldean. We need more of that. Yep. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's do some more emails, questions, and rock cast feedback. And the first one is I got an email from Gary Bechtold. And Gary basically agreed with me about bands who continue on with only one or two members left in them. He said Kansas is number one on his list. He just doesn't feel like it's Kansas anymore. And yeah, I feel the same way. Gary also feels like Rush could never be Rush again, even if they had Mike Portnoy on drums. Well, I know what you're saying, Gary, but you know, uh, Neil Pernt wasn't actually the original drummer for Rush. They did one with John Rutsey that was actually pretty cool. I liked Working Man. But before all you Rush geeks get all bent out of shape, I understand everything changed when they got Neil. But you never want to see a band called Rush ever play live again? And call me crazy or sacrilege, but uh, I would love to see Portnoy play with them. I think that would be extremely cool, but, you know, it probably won't happen, so let's not worry about it. People are freaking out right now. I also get messages on Instagram, and uh, by the way, if you haven't followed me on Instagram, please do. I post a lot of my art on there, and I appreciate the support. But Tim Mankowski messaged me on there and said uh, he really enjoys my podcast. And he also wanted to let me know that he feels the same as me about LeBron James. He says, LeBron is a douchebag and he's the reason I don't support the Lakers anymore. He said, I was a Lakers fan in the early to mid-80s until this dick joined the team. He should have stayed in Cleveland or Miami. And I wanted you to know you're not alone. I can't stand the guy. Well, thanks so much for listening, Tim. You're a very smart man. And Tim also ordered some of my refrigerator magnets, and I really appreciate that as well. Now, I also got a couple of questions from Dom in Australia. And this first one is really good. He says, if you were to revisit an album from the past to re-record it the way you prefer, which one would it be? Well, that's a great question, Dom, and I would re-record the first Galactic album. If I'm being really honest, I don't like the way it sounds, and uh, some of that was my fault. 
The thing with our first album was that we were doing a lot of experimenting. And one thing we tried to do was put the bass in stereo. And I was using just a ton of distortion. And when I hear it now, it just kind of bothers me. It was just too much and I think it affected the mix and the clarity. And that's why on the second album, Space In Your Face, the bass was just a lot less distorted and it just fit much better in the mix. So I would love to go back and re-record the bass on that first album. I wouldn't do anything with the vocals. I think they were fine. But I'd love to hear how that album would sound uh, with a cleaner bass and uh, remixed. Now, Dom's other question was, Hey, Monty, have you listened to Thrice's Artist in the Ambulance Revisited album? What do you think compared to the original? All right, well, I don't know how many of you guys listening right now are familiar with Thrice, but I discovered them back around 2003. I was driving home, and this song came on the radio called All That's Left. And it was still playing when I pulled into the garage and I just sat there going, oh my God, who is this? And I found out it was Thrice. I went out and bought the album, The Artist and the Ambulance, and I freaking loved it. And a few months ago, I heard they were coming to Denver and they were going to play the whole album. And I wanted to go really bad, but there was something going on the same night and I couldn't go. But I did check out this revisited album where I guess they re-recorded it or remixed it or mastered it or something. And I gotta tell you, Dom, I don't like it as well as I do the original. To me, that album was perfect just the way it was and they didn't need to change anything. So I'm not gonna play the new version, but I am gonna play out with the old version of All That's Left. But before I do that, I wanted to tell you about a couple of things. I was recently on the Gas Mask and Hand Grenades podcast with Jeff Kiefer. You can find that on YouTube and it's over two hours long. I was also on the Nothing Shocking podcast. Thanks to Eric Nesbitt for inviting me to be on that. And so be sure to check both of those out. I'd also like to thank some people who bought my artwork. Thanks to Ron Knight for buying a Neil Pernt print. Thanks to Mark in Pennsylvania for buying a Steve Harris print. Steve Cottle bought a Dave Grohl print and magnets. Thanks to James Key for buying a King's X print. Scott Waters bought a print of Ted Nugent. David Hoskins not only bought my David Bowie painting, he also bought the Peter Frampton painting. Thank you so much, David. My friend Cole Woodard bought two sets of magnets. John Hammond bought my print of Dolly Parton to give to his daughter because they do make great gifts. Andy Burr bought a Frank Zappa print. And Gary Willman bought my Spock from Star Trek painting. And I just want to thank all of you for all of those purchases. I appreciate it so much. And I've been thinking about it. And here's something I want to do just for the Rockcast listeners. For anyone listening right now, if you buy a painting or a print, I will throw in an 8x10 print of your choice for free. All you gotta do is message me after you order and uh, tell me what you want. And so if that sounds appealing to you, let's do it. Oh, and before I go, one last thing. Rest in peace, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens. You always hate to hear that, and I was also sad to hear that Robbie Robertson from the band passed away. I actually got to have dinner with him back in the early 90s. 
I was never a fan of the band, but uh, I knew the guy was a legend. And it was one of those situations that happens every now and then when you're a band that's signed to a label where you'll end up sitting at the same table talking to Robbie Robertson or Mike Piazza. And I had no idea really what to say to either of those guys, but it was a really cool experience. So rest in peace, Robbie Robertson. But that's going to do it for me for now. I'm going to take you out with that song I told you about by Thrice. And this would be literally in my top five if I made out a list of top five songs ever. The melody and the vocal harmonies are great. And it rocks so hard that it completely crushes my skull every time I hear it. And so enjoy, and I will be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this has been Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me. And rock on!
in-your-face